Hey everyone, Tim Wright here, along with Dr. Michael Gurian, the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting, episode number 201. So last week was episode 200. Today we begin our journey to episode number 400. So we're looking forward to having you for the next, I don't know how many years that'll take us to get to that. <laughs> and uh, looking forward to, uh, to joining you for that. We've got a great topic today. We're going to pick up from last week's podcast. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's podcast, you might want to do that uh, either before listening to this or after, because we talked a bit about crying. We talked about emoting and particularly boys, how they emote and should we allow them to cry? Should we tell them not to cry? And uh, once we were done, we talked a little bit together about uh, male emotions and how males, at least from certain parts of society, it looks like males stifle their emotions. And we want to talk from a brain science perspective about how men process emotions and look at uh, some nurture or some uh, nurture stuff out there, especially with, um, for, for me and for Michael, it would have been our dads and our grandpas. Uh, for some of you listeners, it might be your grandpas, your great grandpas, who lived through periods of trauma, i.e. war, and the impact that that had on them and their emotions and how they passed that along to us uh, in the way that they tried to process their emotions with their kids, their grandkids, their great-grandkids. So there's a lot we're going to talk about today. Um, and before we do that, want to start by uh, thanking Dr. Greg Jantz, as we always do. Uh, he's been with us for most of our podcasts. We're coming up on four years, episode 208, which is just a few episodes away. It'll be four years. And he has been faithfully sponsoring this so that you can listen to us free of charge. And uh, I hope that you will check them out, wonderparenting.com. You'll find the Center Place of Hope, a link there. Greg has great resources to help you, uh, and their clinic is a great resource. And uh, kudos to Greg and to his team for, for uh, being a support of this. Michael, let's start. Um, usually we start with nature and the brain and how it is that, that uh, in this case, males process emotions. Let's start with nurture and let's look a little bit of the history of um, what, what many men, not all men, many men went through, especially in the 40s, uh, again in the 60s with the Vietnam War, the Korean War, of course, was in there. Uh, we've had the uh, Afghan War and so on. A lot of war, mostly men fighting that, some women. Uh, and We've had movies, World War II movies, especially most significantly would be Saving Private Ryan. And it was really the question of the entire movie, have I been a good man? Hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, the and, and when you said last podcast, you cry at the end of that movie, almost every man does because mm -hmm. it's the primal need of every man to be a good man. And yet, because of the experiences that those men had in that war, they had to shut their emotions down. Uh, if they were to process all of their emotions in the moment where they're seeing killing around themselves, they're losing friends, their friends are losing limbs. They would have just gone crazy. And a lot of them, of course, did. They went into what was called shell shock at the time, post-traumatic syndrome. But what it created was a generation of a number of men who weren't emotionally available necessarily for their kids. And I wonder if that in part is why 50, 60 years later, we've got so much of this, we need to let our boys cry, they need to use their words more, because we didn't see a lot of that from our dads and our grandpas, because of the way the lives that they had lived at that time. So that's a that's such a huge, big question I'm throwing to you. 
So process it as you're hearing it. Okay, I'll uh, I'll put some themes out there. Yeah, um, I mean everything you're saying obviously resonates with me. The I think that uh, if we can go back to World War II, and um, because that really was a turning point in terms of how we wanted to see, you know, the baby boomers wanted to see men and women be, let's say, mm-hmm. right? We we were born um, uh, from, we're the progeny progeny of the people who fought World War II either there uh, and survived and or here in the, in the U.S. If I'm going to stay with the U.S. for a moment, here in the U.S., the women who were here, um, still fighting the war too. Right. I mean, they're yep. very hard, hard life for that woman who's, whose man is over there. So, um, and then we, they gave birth to us and, um, and some is Korean war. So my wife's, my wife's father was a POW pilot shot down in mm. world war two. So he was like three years older than my father. Uh, so he was in world war two. My father was in Korea. Um, my wife's father, Dean, I talk about this a lot in the purpose of boys. He, he came back from the POW camp, you know, and from that war experience, and he was a silent man. I mean, he really mm-hmm. fits what you're talking about. So silent. Um, he emphasized in his life, strong character. He always had strong character. He was a good man. Um, uh, and he, he would just take care of his kids. Like he was going to work hard so that he could provide for his family. That was it. Right. But emotional availability, he didn't have it. And um, he got, and his two sons, actually, from what my wife says, uh, from what Gail says, his two sons got more of the brunt of him not being emotionally available than Gail did. Gail came along later, and Gail was a girl. And he he had some ways of being emotionally available to her that he just didn't with his sons, who were older, and may, because they were male. Okay. so So there's one strain, exactly what you're talking about, where... And I think that's what a lot of the men who came back did. They they focused on being having good character and providing for their family, mm-hmm. but not being emotionally available. And why? Well, because their brains were so um, imprinted, so impinged on, right, um, that they they knew, they sensed and knew that if they let the emotions out, Mm-hmm. That they would do dangerous things or they would do inadequate things. Um, and they sensed that if they let the emotions out, they would not be able to perform as providers and as parents. You know, they would not be able to work hard. They felt they would not be able to provide, therefore, and they would not be able to raise the next generation. So it was it was really deep for them, the reason that they shut down. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe this is why they shut down. Right. So they had the impingement that forced them, but also they made a decision about trying to do right for the next generation. So my dad comes. Oh, go ahead. uh, Let let me just say that that uh, one of the things about the movie Saving Private Ryan that resonated with our generation and our parents' generation was it put some of that emotion into the war. Normally, World War II movies were these strong, stoic guys. Mm. Who were out there and they didn't flinch when a bomb went off in front of them uh, or someone was shot. They just kept going. And those are the images, by the way, that you and I were raised on. Oh, yeah. So John, John Wayne, Wayne kind of thing. Yep, right? That's right. And uh, I remember years ago, Jan and I were at a movie theater and the plot, it was a British mystery of some sort. 
and uh, the murderer had to, to do something so people wouldn't know he was the murderer. So he shot himself in the leg uh, and he starts screaming. And I turned to Jan and I said, John Wayne wouldn't even make a sound if he were shot in the leg, right? Uh, yeah. And of course, everybody who heard me around laughed because that was the image that we were raised with. And that yeah. was passed along to us in some ways, that stoic, manly image that was perpetuated in a war where guys could not allow their emotions to be too fine-tuned, or they really would, uh, as many of them did, just go into shock. And so not only did you have men coming back who were emotionally quiet about it, but we were seeing in movies that that's the way we should be as well. Yep. But what happened with Private Ryan was it showed an emotional side to this. It showed mm -hmm. the emotional toll. And we heard many, many people say, for the first time in my life, my dad or my grandpa talked about his war experience because of that movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's so true. So Dean, my father-in-law, that was true for him. He had not talked to his family, his wife or his kids. He had not talked to them ab about the, being a POW. When they would ask him about it, he wouldn't talk about it. When they asked him about the war, he wouldn't talk about it. And again, right. it's for these reasons. He was going to protect them right from the possibility of right. something going wrong in him and from his inability to perform. So um, he, after Ryan, he wouldn't go to the movie, but he, because I think it was going to be too painful for him, but he heard a lot about it and we went and we talked about it. And so he went into this room and he pulled out this book uh, and it was a journal and he gave Gail and, mm. and then through the, to the family, he gave this book and this journal and in it were all these experiences that oh. he had. Wow. So of course it was heart wrenching, you know, and, and then he would talk a little bit, but you know, he's, he is who he was, who he was. He wasn't going to gush. He wasn't going to talk a lot, but he would talk about it and we'd go away from it. And a week or two later, we'd ask him a question and he would talk about it for like 10 minutes and we'd go away. But then what he, but what he did also do is he joined a VFW, uh, a veterans group of world war two POW survivors. And in mm -hmm. that group, we suspect they could talk about it because yeah. they were all survivors. And so did it did it change him a lot? I, I, he was still the good guy that he was, you know. I mean, we didn't see a lot of change, but it did it did open things up. And mm -hmm. so you're right, Saving Private Ryan really opened things up. Um and 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 it really it did help Gail a lot to understand her father better, which in itself is really great. Yeah. Um it even helped his wife, uh, Peggy was still alive, Gail's mom to understand him a little better. Um Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. 
The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. So, so that was, that's that. And, and, you know, I guess I'm explaining to people, I think, I hope I'm not explaining too much, but why men do this. Hopefully so that people understand that men are not suppressing these feelings in order to cause harm, right? They're suppressing these feelings to not cause harm Mm. because they don't want to cause harm. And Mm -hmm. they've been so, uh, their brains have been so attacked, right, by this trauma that they, uh, they don't want to cause harm with it. And, and so they, they close, they close the curtains, they close the windows and they close the doors, and they operate and function. So things shifted though, right? The baby boomers, we were saying, we want all this emotion from right. men. And, yep. and for reasons of equality, for reasons of, you know, came out of the feminist movement is where it came from. Uh, we want men to emote the way women emote. And we believe marriages will be better if men do that. We believe men will be better fathers. Uh, we believe men will be more healthy. And so we want males to emote like women emote. And to some extent, that is a really good thing. It, it allowed men like us, uh, you know, I like to emote. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't cry very much. I said that last week. It's just not how my tear ducts are set up and all that. But, I, but I'm emotional. You know, I, I definitely mm-hmm. think it's great that men emote. Um, uh, but we, it came from a goal. It came from a social goal that we wanted boys and men to emote the way girls and women emoted. And that was going to be what was going to solve our social ills. Mm-hmm. So, so, piece of the puzzle. Yeah. so the context, the reason why we're starting with sort of nurture is the context is understandable. We had guys who were, for lack of a better word, traumatized during war. Um, they're protecting they their emotions, uh, which a lot of traumatized people do, not just men, men and women were protecting oh, yeah. their own emotions. Um, by sort of putting these walls up, not talking about it. They were protecting their families. That then played itself out into our media and our images of men, you know, the cowboy, the rugged cowboy, uh, the Marlboro man, for those who want to do a little history of, uh, you know, these tough guys smoking their cigarettes, you know, and man, there's we're not going to cry. And so, so from a nurture standpoint or a cultural standpoint, um, boomers began to rebel against that and say, wait a minute, our dads seem distanced from us. That's not how we want to be. We, we can be, we can process better. And of course the gold standard became kind of, well, if we use our words more, if we cry more, um, that's going to help us. And it's, you know, in some senses, there's some, some truth to that. It's not all wrong, but then we get to where we were sort of last week, there's a nature component to how men process their emotions. That can be different from how women process their emotions. And this is, if we can understand this, 
and the cultural context that we've been through. And then, then we'll try to put it all together to just sort of say, this is, this is a healthy path forward for us as dads, for us as husbands, wives, married to men, so on and so forth. So let's talk a bit about the nature of how guys tend to process emotions. Yeah, we tend to, um, for all brain reasons we've talked about in previous podcasts, um, we tend to, well, I'll give some of them, you know, with the amygdala, the midbrain is where the emotions are are expanding right in our head. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are more likely to move uh, immediately to move sensation, move electricity down through the cerebellum into this brainstem. So we process a lot of our emotion physically. Girls at the exact same time tend to move more of the signaling up to the word centers, up to the frontal lobe. And um, when I speak, I show the brain scans, you know, of how much more active the female frontal lobe is than the male. And the frontal lobe is at the top and it's where word centers are. It's where executive decision-making is, et cetera. Um, So, so that's just a, that's a really big difference right there. We don't tend to be able to, to uh, verbalize our emotions as quickly as girls do or women do. And quite often our emotions have been processed already and we haven't verbalized them so that, so that six months or I mean, sorry, six hours later, or 12 hours later, we were talking about that last time, 24 hours later, when our mom asks us or our girlfriend or our wife asks us about what emotions we had, we've already processed them, you know, and, and therein lies something that I think is crucial. Um, and, and that is that, that the males and females have to understand about each other and we have to meet in the middle. Women feel left out. They feel rejected. They feel dissatisfied. Um, uh, and they themselves don't feel validated in some ways if men don't share their emotions with them. Right, right. They really want men to share their emotions. And a lot of that is because, uh, you know, I show these brain scans too. When when males have an emotive experience, two centers of the brain light up. When females have an emotive experience, nine centers of the brain light <laughs> yeah, up, right? Yeah. And that's that's literal and metaphorical. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the emotion differs. You could have three or you could have 10, you know, but on average, that's what you're getting. So, so females have a lot of emotional experiences and that's part of why they are so, you know, can be so empathic, can be so intuitive emotionally. Uh, you know, they get so many mirror neurons in the insula that light up to create empathy for them because as someone else has an emotional experience, they have the same emotional experience. They become very empathic. And then their hormonology, the oxytocin, the brain chemistry mixes. And then you could say socialization. Of course, sure. They were socialized to feel these emotions. That's fine. It's nature, nurture, and culture. So, so then when males don't emote, when their sons don't emote or can't verbalize their, you know, at 15 moms feel left out. And, and we mm-hmm. just all have to understand that. Like the boys have to try to understand mom feels left out. She feels rejected. At least meet her a little bit. Please tell her something, you know, about what's going on. And the same with husbands, with spouses, with partners. We have to help them understand that, that they can't stifle everything. Their marriage is at stake. Women really need this. And that, by the way, it's not unhealthy for the guy either. You know, right. it's fine for him. Maybe he's not a big emoter, but actually it's fine. You know, he's going to learn things by processing his emotions with his wife or or his partner. He's going to have insights, actually, by having to be emotionally vulnerable with her. 
And it's going to lead to probably some good sex. So, you know, that's a really good thing about men being emotionally vulnerable. Uh, you know, um, so so we what I what I guess I'm always saying to people is let's meet in the middle. Let's not expect men and teen boys to emote and verbalize emotions the way their moms or their spouses do. We have to get rid of that expectation. Now, there will be exceptions. There will be some very emotional men and some very cold right. women. It absolutely happens. Right. But, you know, I'm talking about baselines. Let's not expect that. But let's challenge men to um, to not be, you know, that, that, that uh, POW survivor because most men have not experienced that kind of trauma. Mm-hmm. And, and I think... I think we need to understand that males will set up these defenses if they've experienced significant trauma and that if they've experienced significant trauma and they've set up these defenses, our expectations of them should shift. We should Mm -hmm. not expect that they are going to break those defenses down uh, unless they go through significant therapy and counseling or have some kind of, you know, long-term life-changing experiences where they are able to break those defenses down, but we we've got to realize those defenses are probably set. And my, my father-in-law, he lived, he survived and thrived. And so did his family because he had those defenses set. Mm -hmm. Um, But most men have not gone through the kind of trauma that requires that. And so these, these men, especially we have to challenge to meet women more in the middle and be more emotionally vulnerable. We live in this really interesting time right now, culture-wise, when it comes to male role models, males as presented in media. Um, you, you know, you look at some of these TV shows, uh, Hallmark uh, Channel, for example, you know, the men are, they tend to be more emotionally available. Um, they talk, right? And and women really engage with that. And then we have the whole Marvel Universe, where not only do you have macho guys, you've got macho women, right? right? And I mean, they're just punching and they're hitting and they're fighting and, and you know, people just thrive on these images, particularly of these, these strong, heroic type people who have vulnerabilities, right? They're all vulnerable, but you don't necessarily see uh, Thor or or. Uh, Iron Man or Batman uh, just breaking down, weeping all the time, right? They're processing their emotions in different ways. And so we're, we're still trying to figure out, I think, as a culture, how do men emote and how, you know, how, wh- what are we looking for with the way that men emote? So as a dad, let's start there and then we'll talk as a husband. As a dad, what are some things you think um, our kids need to see from us in terms of our emotional processing? Uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that as a dad because I think that 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 men um, men can they go through a period of emoting a lot in the first two years of the relationship, you know, the love relationship. I mean, because there's so much emotion there, mm-hmm. and then you know, and then they may go back to sort of being you know, once all that oxytocin and all those that brain chemistry uh, kind of moves to stage two of relationship right? Stage one of relationship is very emotional and chemical based, actually. And then, you know, then we move to stage two or three. Well, uh, where where women realize, oh, he's not going to (laughs) change. He's not exactly what I thought he was. He's not emoting the way I would like him to, let's say. 
Um, and then they have kids and the kids can really stimulate emotional vulnerability mm-hmm. in fathers. And I think we should let them. I think it's great for our kids to stimulate all that emotional vulnerability and, and let us, you know, uh, and, and we'll, why for any man who's worried that he's not strong, uh, you are strong, you know, you've, you've, you're already accomplished in whatever your field is and you're married and you were able to produce children. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you're pretty strong. So don't worry about not being strong. You're strong. And now let these kids bring stuff out of you. Um, and they will, they'll bring out angers in us. I mean, they'll bring out some dark emotions in us mm-hmm. that we have to deal with. Um, and they'll bring out, you know, a lot of light emotion in us, a lot of good of, of uh, what's all good emotion we could say in a way, but a lot of the stuff we want to see, you know, we're the caregiving, the empathy, um, uh, the emotional mirroring. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and that, as that happens, then, you know, after that first year or so of pregnancy and child, where actually couples often pull away from each other somewhat, um, then let's come back together and bring and bring that emotionality that we men as fathers are feeling and bring it to our spouse, you know, Mm -hmm. bring it to our spouse, bring it to our kids and bring it to our spouse again. And, um, and that is a way I think we can use our kids and our marriage to allow us to be emotionally vulnerable, to realize it's safe. Mm -hmm. Um, What, what I think happens in, in marriages and what I think is that, and in parenting that we have to deal with is that, Men need safety in order to be emotionally vulnerable. Mm. And we should not forget that. And everyone will say, well, everyone needs safety. Yes, everyone needs safety. But women are going to tend to be more emotionally vulnerable by nature because there are assets they get by being more emotionally vulnerable. Men are going to tend by nature to be less emotionally vulnerable because they see that they get more assets by not being emotionally vulnerable out in the world. Right. Right. So we got to remember that if we want him to be emotionally vulnerable in our marriage, that needs to be safe. So we can't be shaming him. You Mm -hmm. know, I Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, if he's done something terrible, we're going to shame him. But in terms of a normal thing, we can't be shaming him. We can't be Mm -hmm. constantly criticizing him. You know, I mean, I've done couples counseling, you know, for 32 years. And it's one of the first things I say to couples. Okay, which of you is shaming the other? Because if they've come to me, then one or both of them is attacking and shaming the other. And Mm. very often women don't realize, you know, they come in blaming their spouse. That's generally what happens. Women bring the spouse, the man in, and then the women want him to change. And, and there are ways in which I try to help him change. There are ways he needs to change. But often I'm having to say to women, you don't realize it, but you are constantly criticizing and shaming this guy. So your home is not safe. And so he's not going to be emotionally vulnerable with you. Mm -hmm. And, and we have to kind of change that dynamic. So just remember that too, that, for men to break through this thing we want to break through, you know, we don't want them to be like like the POW who has to have these defenses. We have to create safety for them. And mm-hmm. we have to know that we have to create safety for them. So that's another thing that I think is nature, nurture, and culture. I think it's really helpful, too, for dads to look for those moments. Of course, it needs to be developmentally appropriate. But to look for those moments when they're feeling wrestling with some sort of emotion and to be able to share that with their kids to say, Hey, you know, this thing happened at work and it really upset me. It made me feel angry or it made me feel sad or, uh, it, you know, it made me feel real happy. Um, so that, you know, if kids don't necessarily see us shedding tears all the time, they at least know there's some emotional 
life in dad. And th- these are how dad processes it. And to be able to say, you know, it's really okay to be angry at times. And it's really okay to be sad. And it's okay to be happy. And and for dads just to acknowledge those moments. And, you know, one of those moments, every dad, same with true with mom, but every dad has a moment when he snaps at his kids. Oh, gosh. Yes. And Right? And what a good moment for dad after a few moments to just take a breath, sort of process, and then sit down with the kids and say, all right, let me kind of tell you what's going on in my life. And I took it out on you and I shouldn't have. Or, you know what? You were you were not behaving well. And <laughs> it, it hacked me off or however you want to talk about it. But right. just so that kids see that dad's got some emotional stuff going on as well. And it's okay. Uh, and um, always a hug and a kiss at the end of that kind of stuff goes a long way. Uh, and the same with our spouses. You know, a lot of, there are times, and I know you've had it too, where I'm just going through something and Jan can tell, she can feel me thinking. Mm-hmm. And she said, what's going on? Nothing. Because I'm, pro- you mentioned this earlier, we we tend to process it internally and then we'll give the result of our processing with where females tend to process with words. They'll talk it out loud. We tend to internalize it and then come out. And there are times when we just need to let our spouses into our thinking process when we're ready, right? Because right. I'm not always ready. I right. gotta. I, there are times when I, I have to think it. Sometimes I can just sit down and talk it through with her. But sometimes I got to process for a while and mull on it, marinate on it, and then talk it out with her. But that's to do something is really important as well to just share my emotional processing with my spouse, with my kids, my grandkids, and to let them know, yeah, grandpa has emotions. They just process maybe a little bit differently than moms do or than your dad's does or whatever it might be. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. Our, our challenge is we do want to bring other people into our processing. That is, it is a beautiful thing to do that. Um, And I think it's a, and each of us are going to do that our own way right? You're going to do it your way. As you said, I'm going to do it my way. There's going to be yep. someone else. There's going to be some other guy out there who, who his kids looking back on him will say, I remember this, that incident. The reason I remember it is that he went two months and he never did any emotive processing in front of me, but boy, right then he did. Yeah, And right. that was like two months worth right there. So everyone's going to do it in their own way. And I, I hope what I hope people will take away is if we can just, you know, if we can, from the environmental point of view, the spouse, the family, et cetera, and, and friends, if we can make things safe, let's make these environments and these relationships safe for guys. If we want them to emotively mm-hmm. be more emotionally vulnerable in front of us, let's make sure these environments are safe for them to do that. And then the challenge to the guy is you got to recognize when it is safe. Yep. And that's, you know, so we get it. If it's not safe, you're probably not going to become emotionally vulnerable. It's not safe. That's nature. We get that. But but you may be withholding your emotions in an environment that is safe. Yep. So that's on you. You you mm-hmm. really need to bring your emotions to your family um, uh, because, look, this is a safe environment. It's the right place to bring them. And um, and and it, it will be, as I think you're implying or saying, it will be great modeling for the kids, too, yep. because they will learn not just from the mom how to process emotion, but they're now going to now going to also learn from the dad. How yeah. does he do it? Oh, I can, you know, that's, I can take that strategy. That works uh, because they're going to have to become adults who process emotions at ritual times 
you know, I mean, adults are not able to just sit on a sidewalk and process emotions, right? You've got to do things, you're raising your Mm -hmm. family, right? So everyone has part of maturity is learning the right timing for processing your emotions and with whom. And uh, so it'd be great if they can get that modeling off of dad too. Yeah. One last question. You mentioned that when guys tend to process emotions, it's with two parts of the brain. Oh, well, in terms of what lights up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, lights up, and then nine right. parts of the brain lights up. So when a guy is Whenever. watching his favorite football team score a winning touchdown, how many parts of his brain light up? Oh, wow. I think that might be a whole brain experience. <laughs> <laughs> and for teams like ours where we don't win anything, uh, our brains just explode if something big were to happen. So that's, <laughs> that's how so that true. happens. I love us. that, yeah. yes. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Michael. That's really interesting stuff. And thank, uh, you. thank you all for listening. Uh, We're going to be back with you next week with another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. You can go to wonderofparenting.com to connect with us with your questions, or you can go to our Facebook page, just uh, do a search on Wonder of Parenting, and then uh, hit join. I'll get to you as soon as I get the information from you, the notification, we'll let you in. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you, being with you next week. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.